Welcome back to a very special holiday episode of Being an Artist is Fucking, fucking killing, killing Me. Last episode before the holidays. Yeah. Um, How many episodes has it been, Corinne? We've done 41 episodes in 2019. Jesus Christ. It's a, it's a lot. That's a lot of episodes. <laughs> it's a lot of fucking listening to people talk. And living for it. <laughs> yes. And also loving it. That sounded really negative. But yeah. <laughs> I was just thinking of like hours and content. I was like, wow, that's a lot of my own voice. Right. <laughs> How annoyed are you of your own voice at this point? Or I mean, my voice when it just peaks on the mic? I mean, I like block mine out and I'm more like listen for you when you get too loud. It <laughs> 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 just talks. And um, I get too excited. God. Yeah, it's fine. Out of those 41 episodes, we've had over... Out of all the artists we've had, they've all been of different disciplines. Well, not all of them, but like over 10 different di- disciplines. Mm-hmm. So we've gotten lots of feedback from lots of different people mm-hmm. in lots of different places of their lives, which is extremely interesting. Mm-hmm. If you haven't seen the Toronto Arts Council annual report, it's very well done. I read through it all, and I'm not saying that like, oh, I sat down and read it, but like whoever did the graphics and designs of it was also very good because it's all like, it's fun and easy to read, and it's not just a report, it's like... I'm very excited because if you are listening, you know that I'm currently doing my thesis for my master's, and part of my research is on um, what toronto needs in terms of like what our audiences needs mm. and why aren't we reaching certain audiences and i know that the research isn't based for, off of like audience participation but like the point of view from the artists and um so i'm really excited to incorporate it into my research this upcoming year i think it came out at a really great time and uh, i'm really excited to like dive into all of that information and really analyze it mm-hmm. that's mm-hmm. cool mm-hmm. um some of the key points are that 89 percent of torontonians believe that the arts makes toronto a better place to live Half of our artists make under $30,000 a year. Preach. Yeah. 80% of Toronto's artists and arts workers believe that they cannot make a living wage, and 73% of those people have thought about leaving Toronto. Mm-hmm. And I thought it was really interesting because this just felt like statistical facts of all the conversations we've been having over the last two years. Oh, it totally is. Yeah. So it's like everybody's stories and anecdotal evidence is just like reinforced in this document. And I was like, yeah. cool, 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 cool. Yeah, if we had to, like, break down all these conversations into, like, two sentences, it would be like, I'm broke, give me money, I has no money, where the money? <laughs> Was that just one sentence that ran on? Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, four micro sentences. <laughs> I am broke, give me money, I has no money, where the money? Yeah. But actually, where's the money? Totally. Or what can we do to... And also, we need to, like, there needs to be another way to fund art that's not just... Grants. Grants. And Toronto Arts Council and Ontario Arts Council. And yes, it's helpful. And that's definitely a great way to, like, support your project and whatever you're working on. But, like, how else else? can we create work? Mm -hmm. How else can we, like, live here? How can we make this place more livable for artists and make it a more, like, artistic-based community? And not just be pissed that we don't get grant money. And just complain on podcasts (laughs) the whole time like I do. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Youth of tomorrow, help us. Totally. We need some entrepreneurial artists yeah. to make spaces or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I have some very exciting news. Yes. Um, the show that I've been working on for just about six or eight months. Fuck, I don't even know anymore. Two um, years. <laughs> all right, everybody, grab a pen, grab your journal, grab your calendar, grab your computer, and put it in your drive right now. 
I've been working on a show for about six to eight months for my upcoming master's thesis, and it is kind of a cool concept, at least I think so. Um, January 16th, 17th, 18th at 8 p.m., Nostrovia will have its premiere, and it is an immersive dance show um, where there's live music, there's uh, lots of improvisation, you can drink, it's a night out, it's something to involve... Uh, it's for everybody. It's not just for artists. It's a really fun event. And uh, I think you're all going to have lots of fun. And stay tuned because over this holiday break, we're going to drop the trailer. Yes. I'd love it if you shared it, if you posted about it. And um, I will. it will let you know about where you can get tickets, how you get tickets, and all that jazz. Did you say the location? Oh, no. That's what I just said. It's at uh, the Peacock <laughs> Public House. Perfect. It's on College Street. Super accessible by transit. Super accessible by transit, yeah. <laughs> right downtown. Um, tickets are going to be $25 for non-artists and $20 for artists, which may seem a little bit steep for some people, but um, it does involve more than dance. Mm-hmm. It's music. Um, it's at a venue that's not a theater. Um, and I want you all to think about it as like a night out, so... If you're willing to spend that much on cover, going to a bar or to see a band, that's essentially what you're going to be doing here. So like a night at the Horseshoe, you pay $15 alone just to get in there to see, you know, your mm-hmm. friend's band. Um, we have some great musicians that are going to be playing live music all night. And the performances happen over the course of the show. And uh, it's really just like a fun atmosphere. And it's, I think it's kind of an interesting concept that um, we're not really used to in Toronto. And... Uh, yeah, so keep your eyes peeled for tickets, and if you have any questions, and just let me know. Yeah. Um, before we jump into our interview, we're just going to say thank you to all of our listeners who have are new, have been with us since day one, to who tune in, who rate us, who yes, and we also just DMs. got so many new listeners this past yeah. couple months, and it's been so nice hearing from all of you. Thank you all so much. It's true. Season three has been a great start, and we growing we're fucking growing and it doesn't go unnoticed that new people are showing up which is amazing yes and for those ride or dies that have been here since day one thank you yeah um this week we have roberto sapienza who is a theater guy producer (laughs) actor musical theater um he is the co-founder of sapling toronto Mm -hmm. here we go thank you hi i'm roberto sapienza and i am an actor and co-founder and artistic director of Sapling Toronto. Um, so you just closed for the boys. I did. When did it finish? It finished October 20th, Sunday matinee. Ooh. It's an interesting way to end a show on a Sunday matinee, yeah. but it just worked out the way it did. It was a little anticlimactic. Yeah. It was our biggest crowd either way, which was really oh. nice. Oh, that's good. Well, we pushed to really fill, because of Sunday matinee. Mm-hmm. We were hoping that they would um, sell more to the other generation because like the nights are full of like a younger audience right. so then the matinees are typical like older audience mm-hmm. but uh no it was it was good um i would do th- a couple things differently i learned i learned a ton about this was our first big show actually so we were a brand new company we've only been around for two years mm-hmm. and uh we learned a lot <laughs> with this run <laughs> but i was super proud of my my team i couldn't have been more proud with the people that went in there and then you can tell when you work on a project like this who's in love with this industry and who's not and it was really 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 cool to see the people that uh at a moment's notice would rally 
and bring everything they are to a project. And it was like, I just wept. I was like, this is love. Like I just, <laughs> I just had this, this moment of like, this is what support looks like. This is what, and, and so I learned a lot about people I want to work with in the future. I've learned a lot about what to do next on the business side of things too, right? You're, when you're doing this, you're running the books, you're running the marketing, you're running everything that's business you, related. You produced it, but we were also in it. I was also in it. Yeah. Not my choice. I need to, <laughs> I, yeah. need to um, I was in the original, well, not the original, actually, the second or third stage reading of the show mm-hmm. last year. And the director, um, when he was talking, I, I, I approached him and I said, listen, I think this would be an amazing first show for us. Um, everything's there. The script is hilarious. The music's beautiful. It's a one act, so it'll be quicker to put up. And I have to produce it. So, and he said, well, the condition is you can have the rights. I have to direct it, is the writer and lyricist and composer that said this, Eli Pasek. Mm-hmm. And we did our audition process. We looked for, I think we saw 85 people in two days, which was nice Whoa. for an indie theater company. I'm like, that's, wow. that was a great turnout. I was really happy about that. We had our callbacks. We had everything. We had a cast. Ooh, maybe I should. Yeah, no, I'll talk about this. We, we, no, we did. We had a full cast. And then um, we had the fundraiser concert where Tom and Finn and I, as well as Emma Heidenheim, who was also in the original stage production, um, but Tom and I had a number again, and Tom was the original Larry, and I was the original Jimmy, and neither of us were cast in this original cast, this new for the show. And Eli played the concert, we did our thing, and he looked up and he's like, "I can't replace that chemistry," and so he asked us to come back. And I don't know the full process of that because um, I don't want to seem like the producer that's like, "I'm a make a show, I'm a star in a show, I'm yeah. gonna do all those things." <laughs> I am Lynn Manuel Miranda. No, I, I am not by any means, and I did not write this show. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, I, of course, when he asked me, I said I had to be in this. I loved, I loved it. It's mm-hmm. everything I like about the 1920s and also modern humor. And it's great. I don't know so if that answered the question. Somebody? No. Oh. <laughs> the cast was not. It was like in the pre-production preliminary casting process. Okay. And we still had like two, three names. I was still in a toss-up of the, hmm, maybe Jimmy. Right. But like... He's the producer, hmm, right. sorts of things like that. So if someone else had came up, that would have been like if there was a Jimmy in the room. Choice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. That was that was the deal we made mm-hmm. with because I, I said, uh, listen, I'll be behind the table during casting until if I'm not being considered for Jimmy. And so I was not being considered for Jimmy because we needed a Jimmy to walk into the room. And based on Eli's eyes, he said the truest Jimmy was in the reading last year, and it was you. Mm-hmm. And that was really nice to hear. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I didn't pay him for that, I promise. <laughs> be like, give me a hundred bucks and you're going to put me in the show. No, we actually, um, Eli, myself, and Brian actually, Brian Kling is my co-producer and co-founder of the company. We we worked for free. We did the whole production for free. I ate the cost of the actor, too. We paid the actors, and I didn't take anything for Jimmy or a producer, and he didn't take anything for directing. So wow. we, when you love it, Right. You want it up one way or another, and so you don't. You don't. Uh, you put your time into it because you believe it's worth it. Mm-hmm. The rest will come, I think. <laughs> I believe. Uh, yeah, figures are <laughs> so crass on that one. Yeah. <laughs> so from start to finish. So from it's Eli that wrote it. You said right. Yeah, Eli Pasek. I'll say his name a hundred times, otherwise he'll shoot me. No, I'm okay. um, No, he's Eli Pasek. E L L I. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, one L. <laughs> um, no relation to Pasek and Paul. Yeah. Um, it's how from start to finish. How long was has the project? been so far oh, i think he went like in since conception since he started it uh, till you guys getting it i think Can you give us like a brief timeline oof, i think he's um 
this is a better question for him, but I think it's anywhere between three to five years old. Mm-hmm. Um, he's done, I think now two and three stage readings um, over the course. I think it actually was also done in New York, a stage reading of it, oh. if I'm not mistaken. I might be mistaken. He might send me an email later. Mm-hmm. Um, but he's been working on it for years. Um, and then it's been through workshops, rewrites, stage readings. And then last year was the last stage reading. And then this is technically the Canadian premiere of the show. Nice. And that was a big step for us in so many ways and big step for him. Um, upon opening night, he gave a beautiful speech to the audience that was there, which is, uh, I didn't know until it was happening, which was beautiful, though. And he was very moved. Our producer, Larry Silverberg, was very moved, and it just felt good. I'm, I'm yeah, I can't talk about how proud I am of, of it. And um, yeah, I think it's super important for people to know how long projects take, so that when you're at the beginning stages of your career and you're yes. like an emerging artist, you're like, why can't I make anything? Why yeah. can't I get something out? And then to hear people that are doing it be like, it takes five years. Yeah, to, it takes multiple and, rewrites and multiple casts and multiple stagings yes. to get something right and to get it out there mm-hmm. and to get it like good enough for an audience. Yep, and even still, sometimes as the writer, you might be biased and say it's still not good enough for an audience. Totally. You might have that first audience. You say it's crap. I got to redo it again. Yep. And in fact, he was adding lines until maybe two, three weeks of rehearsals, and he added a bit for the sailors. He changed some lines for Jimmy and Sarah. He changed moments. He shifted things around. Yeah. Up until like halfway through rehearsal, so it's 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 ever changing. And, and theater for me is like the most representation of life and life is ever changing too so like your 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 product won't mm-hmm. stop changing um i think even even here's another example i guess of of time into work is we, we've been in pre-production and production of this show for maybe over the course of everything it took was that five months maybe we started in like june or either way five or six months maybe of pre-production to the end of this and it was still not enough time no, right. There, never enough time. There's never, never. enough time. There, it's, it's, you can never have enough time in this industry. And when you think... It's a it, luxury to have time. God, it's a luxury to have yeah. time. Yeah, and unfortunately, impatience is not something you can have in this, in this field. And, and you have you to... You can't have patience? You, can't, you cannot have impatience. I mean, is that a devil negative? Um, you must be patient, is essentially what, yes. I'm, what I'm trying to get across. Yes. Um, <laughs> Yeah, and like you can throw every cliche out there, the virtue, patience is a virtue and all that, but it, but it really is because it really does pay off. Um, so don't feel discouraged if you've been working on something for five years and it hasn't seen an audience because right. that's more or less the case. Mm-hmm. Um, and also I think things grow and absolutely. they get new and they form be- just because of like what's happening out there, mm-hmm. you know, like. And, and in here. And in here, and yeah, in this your, brain your perspective, situation. Your perspective think, will change your piece. Yeah. yeah. And I think sometimes that's good. Sometimes it's good that it changes, you know, because it's got to fit up with the times. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. No, there's, there's many, there's many um, pieces that are still living on stage in Broadway that are, uh, frankly, dated. Cats. Sorry. <laughs> I'm fucking done with cats. <laughs> I'm done. You're I'm not, already over it. The movie's not even out yet. It's like you're not, you're Stop not ex- the cat's madness. You're not excited of this beautiful CG movie coming out? Also, I'm, like, the posters all over the TTC about it coming here. I saw a blog the other oh day. Oh, yeah. No, like, it's coming for three weeks or something, isn't it? Yeah, like, it's like, like, miss all the yeah, I think Mervish is doing it's it. Yeah. That's yeah. A, see, that's the thing. is, Isn't that, like, one of the issues with Mervish is that they just bring, you know, old theater, American theater, yes. to... 
Toronto because that's what's going to like fill their house and it's yeah. well known and they don't hire Canadian actors and they don't yes. hire I, make new productions. I have per oh <laughs> David Mervish, I love you. Um I I I've had my time with uh Mervish auditioning and the whole Canadian actor the search for Evan Hansen, Cursed yeah. Child. Getting a Canadian cast is pulling teeth, it seems. And so, yeah, they, they bring in these U.S. national tours. Right. They bring in all the tours. And I went to go see... It's time enough now. It's over. I went to go see Beauty and the Beast a few years ago when it toured here. And my like, I've seen regional theater do it better. It's, <laughs> oh, fuck. Greece. I, Greece. Greece. I heard... I did not see it. I heard, I heard Greece had seen better days and better productions. Um, but the, it's unfortunate because... It's it's one of those hit and miss companies because I've also seen some of my best shows at Mervish. Mm, sure, but the thing is, it's just it's unfortunate when you're going for the commercial aspect. You want to fill the house, you want to sell the tickets, you want to keep the company alive mm-hmm. financially like that. You take the hit and go for title. Yeah. What do people know? Well, they've been around since the '70s. They know Greece. They they know Beauty and the Beast. You know what's a Disney your, household name. What's the demographic of people buying tickets to come see your shows? Right. You like, have to look into your that, audience? your subscriber base. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't know the failure ticket wise of Evan Hansen. I don't know the truth of why it closed early, but I'm assuming they're selling to a demographic that can't afford it. No one who's not a musical theater kid really cares about Evan Hansen. It's not a big enough title yet. Right. I love it, but I'm a music theater. Yeah. And anyone outside of that. It won that. It won the Tony. It did. But, yeah. it, but, but to who, if you're a 45-year-old, 9-to-5-er who's never heard of a Tony and only knows what the Oscars is, what is the year Evan Hansen to them? But right. that's interesting because Spring Awakening, like, eight years ago, did very well. And I would say that yeah. Spring Awakening is around the same genre as Dear Evan Hansen. I feel like also how theater was more alive 10 years ago, frankly. True. It had more yeah. attention put onto it, especially going out to see a Mervis show. Mm-hmm. It was an event. You go to the dinner, you wear right. your best pearls, and it was like, not what are we, in the 20s? Um, <laughs> but you, you know what I mean? Yeah, you get your furs out. It's beautiful. It's, uh, you go see the theater. Um, but, but even still, and it's not, I'm not saying theater is dying. I'm saying theater is, there's like a, this see-through-ish screen in front of it that people are like, like tr- is it there? You know, the traditional aspect of theater, where it's like this event, like you were just describing, yeah, is changing. It is. Yeah. There's, there's the, it's the generation of instant gratification, and the two and a half hour Les Mis sung through musical is not instant gratification. I will say that's like one of my favorite musicals. Okay, it's time. beautiful. It's, it's you look at the writing, you sit down, you just look at the sheet music, it's and gorgeous. and people will appreciate it. People will be baffled by it, but. Are you going to sit on your butt for two and a half hours, especially with, with like, I can, I can, I can, how many memes can I look at in that time? You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> do you realize what I could get done in two yeah. and a half hours? Like, yeah. yeah. It's, 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 yeah, I don't know. I, and that's why I guess this one act of something for the boys was great because it's like, yeah. I need an hour of your attention and then you can, you can get out. Right. And yeah. I was just having this conversation actually like yesterday with um, Peter Hinton and we were talking about, like, because he directed opera for COC and, like, how opera is kind of like this, like, dying art mm-hmm. that's, like, people keep saying, like, it's dying. It's, you know, it's going just towards this demographic. And then, like, in, like, 100 years, is it still going to be there or is it going to have to do, like, something drastic? And, like, comparing opera, mm-hmm. like, 50 years ago to, like, ballet mm-hmm. now and, mm-hmm. like, if it's going to be the same. And I think, like, all theater, so, like, not even just musical theater, like, opera, ballet, piece that's, like, so campy. And um, musical theater, all these things are like trying to like morph and like keep up, but also still sell tickets to like the demographic that remembers it the best. Exactly. 
like what do they do and how do they make it better? It has to pick. It's it's this. It's the beauty of um, takes two to tango or whatever the. Yeah. It, yes, they have the responsibility to reach the new demographic and change things or make wow factor or whatever, but there is enough beauty in, in as it was. And like the ball, you don't change ballet. <laughs> You, 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 you learn acting, you learn Shakespeare, you learn dance, you learn ballet. You, right. you can change it maybe aesthetically, but like the, the, the terminology is the same. The dance moves are the same. The, mm-hmm. the breathing is the same. The, the, the dancers go through the same training. So there's a responsibility in the next generation to go see the damn shows. And unfortunately, we've been caught up in, I don't have time, I don't have money, I don't have nothing. I don't have but then you do the whole like $4 Starbucks a day thing. And it's like, right. if you really want to go see the show, you'll go see the show. There are rush tickets, there's lotteries, there's things to do, there's ways to support the arts, but then you're complaining that it's dying. I'm a culprit, and I'm not going to see the next ballet show. The last ballet I saw was Alice in Wonderland, like, six years ago? I have never seen the ballet, you and, guys. Uh, but that's what I mean. And, and here? It, I also didn't, I'm, I didn't grow up here. Fair. I grew up in, like, small-town rural Alberta, so it was, like, not accessible to go see the ballet. Totally different. You didn't yeah. even see it when you were in, like, Calgary? Uh, No. <laughs> Um, And then I moved here and I was like, always wanted to go see it. But I also don't want to go see like the Nutcracker. I want to go see when they do like original productions Mm -hmm. when they bring people in. But then it's like, it's not the same. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Sorry to interrupt. No, 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 no. Conversation, please. I I get on, um, I get on tangents and then I go, but, but I think there's, there's ways for us to also do our piece is essentially what I'm saying. I think, I think we can. Yeah. But because the audience base is changing for theater can we also change what theater is, right? I'm just laughing because you're yeah. just making fun of, like, you can definitely hear when we're eating and talking like Yeah, totally and munching into like, oh. an apple. <laughs> it's like every time I grab an apple, I have, like, something to say. Yeah. Um, you know? Like, yes, the responsibility is on the, the people to support the arts, but I think it's also the responsibility of the companies to, like, reach the people and change yeah. and like maybe that means like for a company like Mervish they support more local theater Absolutely. rather than yeah. bringing in shit yeah you know frankly yeah, <laughs> yeah. no and, I, I mean like yeah. come from away is like a good I think they did a good thing of that because it's like it won, you know, awards, and mm-hmm. it's also like based on a Canadian story. It's yeah. appealing to like so many different. But it was, and it's a great. It's a great musical. Like yeah. it's good, and it appeals to the people who are here. Mm-hmm. And I think that is, like, an excellent example. But, like, how many of those productions can they find that are going to sell tickets, appeal to a large demographic, are, like, new? Right. Mm-hmm. You know? But how could they use their spaces right. or their resource to support community theater in other ways is what I'm saying. Yeah. I mean, they have the space. They have the financial support. Yeah. There's not everything. There's not something running in that building every single day. No. Um, you know? But also, like, they, they, there's extended programs they can do. And I'm sure they have relationships with other people to offer rental of spaces. Uh, yeah. New work curation, like I mean, like you said, come from away. It was Sheridan put that up. Like yep. they, they they started it, they funded it. Mm-hmm. So why couldn't Mervish do the same? And and the truth is, the answer is they can. The short answer, I I believe. Yep. So why don't they? Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. Or like residencies, creation residencies, like mm-hmm. offering theater space to table reads and yep. research development and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, I think one of the closest things we had to that is what Stratford. Like, I mean, you can go to the Birmingham Conservatory. You can mm-hmm. kind of mm-hmm. go to school and get paid for it. Well, 10 of you can every year. <laughs> um, it's kind of like National Theater School. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, but it, it, it's, it's that tough, like, treat it like a business, but then also create art. Mm-hmm. And it's like art yeah. and business have always butted heads. Right. And because so, at the end of the day, it's still like, well, we still need to make a profit. We still need to make money. It's what, yeah. Yeah. Right? 
I mean, they wouldn't be waving Hagen dots down and up and down the aisles if they didn't want to make a profit. You know what I mean? Like it's <laughs> the, every last, but every last penny. You know what I mean? Like there's so much effort put into also consumable sales in there, and mm-hmm. it's like that's part of their. You know, I, I we took a hit at Boys because we couldn't sell alcohol on the premises without hiring their catering company, which means they would just get all the money. And there's no food or drink allowed in the theater. So the George Ignatieff, actually, to anyone who wants to rent the George Ignatieff, if you're looking to do food and liquor sales or anything. Don't rent that theater. Um, that you take a huge hit in sales. And the truth is we need the intermission with the bar sales, especially as an indie theater company. Right. And we couldn't do it. Ugh. So there's... Oops. Um, sorry, GIT. They wouldn't let you get a like special occasion permit and sell? Nothing. And it all had to... Because it's a school premises, too. They had to be through their... Whatever their catering company is. Right. Which means we're like... We can't cut our own deal with sponsors or food sponsors yeah. or drink sponsors or anything and just to profits. make a profit. Yeah. So there's no, there was no point to go through a catering company if it was just to break even. Yeah. What's the point? No, exactly. Yeah. yeah. And especially because they can't even bring the drink inside. So it's like, crush this beer, go in there. No, <laughs> so we're not gonna. Yeah. We're not gonna put that pressure on our on mm. our audience. Right. Um, that's also that's like a weird thing. I feel like part of the fun of like going to theater and going out to a show is like, mm. I'm going to have a cocktail. Yeah, like, it's an experience, right? Yeah, yeah, totally. I like to be like a little bit hazy watching people sing, you know? <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of how like I like to be like a little micro dose when I go to the art museum. It's just like enhances everything. It just enhances yeah. everything. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean like there's certain ways that it kind of lets down that first wall, right? Of just like... Of, cri- of like critic. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Of yeah, like, and you see, just, say, yeah. especially as an artist, you can like really like sit back, shut your critic brain off, right? totally, yeah. which is very very hard. Yeah, no, it's it's there. It's hard. It yells a lot. The critic brain. Yeah, mine won't <laughs> shut the hell up. <laughs> I was like, you were just talking about this the other day because I went to a show and I was like really trying to just like enjoy it and it was amazing and it was great. But also part of me was like, mm, I don't know about this. Mm, is this necessary? Mm, I don't know if this is relevant. Yeah. Mm, is this dialogue making sense with the movement or is it too on brand? Like, yeah. I think it's, I started to think, I was like, am I a fucking pessimist? Like, am I just a really no, just critical human. person? And I'm like trying to sit back and relax, but you can't. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because you're surrounded by your peers and it's, you know, it's just like, I, weird. and you better have something to say about it afterwards or else... Because everybody's going to, like, talk about it. You need, like, one good thing to say to, like, your friend who did it. Yeah. And you need, like, one, like, <laughs> one thing to say, one, like, bad, or, like, one, like, questionable thing to say to say your friend after you leave. Yeah. <laughs> and then you need, like, one thing, like, it's kind of, like, sassy and shady to say when you're, like, a little drunk later. You need, like, oh three God. main things <laughs> to, like, talk about at all times when you leave a theater. Well, like, like no wonder you're not paying attention to the show. You're finding your three cents. It's too much. <laughs> Yeah, no wonder you can't pay attention. Right? It's like you're watching this, like, like let's say you're watching Les Mis, but your buddy's Marius. It's just like, okay, how, how can I, what can I tell him? And it's like mid-song, you're just like, okay, I gotta tell him he's good at that song. Watch the show. I can't! Yeah, it's so hard to enjoy when you're just like, you have friends in the show, or yeah. you're like trying to think, because they're gonna ask you. You know they're saying just something to be nice, when they're like, congratulations. <laughs> it was a really, really really successful first attempt. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> You're like, you poured your heart out into the role and someone's like, oh my God, the set. Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> Is that real facial hair? Yeah, like, wow, someone's like, growing a beard. Bitch, you came to see me. What do you think? <laughs> um, yeah, no, there's there's the polite comments too, but that's yeah. that's what I mean. It's like, have, this is a Canadian, this, this polite, like, can we not just talk to our friends and be critical and be like, mm, I think was, you just have was, to like, 
figure out how. Right? But I mean, like... It has to be constructive, and it can't be preference-based. Yeah, right? I was in a rehearsal the other day, and someone came in and watched, and all of the feedback that they gave me was because of things that they like, that had no relevance Mm. to what I was working on, what I'm trying to experiment with, what my goals are. And I was like, cool, 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 cool. Don't care. You know? (laughs) But, like, you also have to be aware of your biases that you're bringing in. Mm -hmm. Right? And you have to look at things objectively. Because if you didn't like it because you're like, I don't like abstract, blah, 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 blah. Or if you didn't like it because the dancers weren't highly technical and you like highly technical movement, Mm -hmm. that's not... If that wasn't the goal, that wasn't nope, the goal. Completely subjective. Yeah. It's, yeah. No, you got to be. So, you got to be very careful. It's true. Um, so as long as you give your friends good feedback. No, always. <laughs> I, I I try to be honest too, and I instead of and you I tend have to, to say like what you saw, not like yeah, what you like. It's like this is totally. what I saw. And I tend yes. to also give feedback by asking them questions, so I also right. better understand what was going on. Totally. Mm-hmm. Because once you also get a bit of the behind the scenes, you're like, oh, that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, also, when you get. Maybe maybe it didn't come across. The director's vision didn't come across as an audience member. But then you talk to the actor, and they tell you what's happening, and you're like, oh, it clicks. And maybe you miss something, right? And that's okay too. It's yeah. And then also they have to reevaluate if it's not coming across to the audience, though. Oh God, yeah. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, mm, am I that dumb? Or is it just <laughs> take a survey? How many people didn't get this vision? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you because in dance we have this thing called Liz Lerman method, hmm. which is like a way to like not critique but to like discuss dance um when it's in like early stages mid stages later stages and it has like all these steps so you like ask like i have an opinion about costuming would you like to hear it now Mm. and if the person's like not ready for it they like say like no at this point i'm just working on movement and there's like all these steps that you go through and the first one is like what you saw so just like non-biased comments like i saw a lot of contrasting imagery i Mm. saw a lot of like use of this you know Mm -hmm. yeah and then the next point is like they the person asks a question and then you answer the question and the next point is like opinions or biased opinion you know it like goes into this whole method do they have something like that for musical theater or i'm sure i'm sure they do and i'm sure each um team of directors and producers and and Mm. we definitely have like a post-mortem where it's like post-show what went wrong what can we do better what did we see um how you go about it i think i don't know if there's a developed um, version. Yeah, I yeah. haven't come across it as an actor or in the music theater world. Yeah. Um, yeah. Damp should be. Liz Lerman's a dance scholar, <laughs> yeah. right? So, yeah. And that's something we learned in university. And this is something they created, essentially, right? For, yeah. for the yeah. dance world. Yeah, but um, I'm just surprised that like no theater scholar has come up with a way to do it. I'm which sh- is around... I think like that method can be used. You can adapt it, for sure. You can adapt it for any type of art that you're mm-hmm. viewing. You know? Totally. Yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure there is forms of it somewhere that don't haven't donned a title yet. But yeah. mm-hmm. I'm sure it's it boils down to communication, really. And I, I'm sure yes. that's something that should be just taught in schools is is communication as well as there's lots of things that should be taught in schools. So I'm not gonna, <laughs> I can I cannot dive into the theater school. <laughs> oh. oh God, those yeah. are like yeah. If you if you wanted to worry about like Rob's harsh opinions, just talk to him about theater <laughs> yeah. school. I mean, did you even go to theater school if you're not, like, a little bit scarred from it? And jaded and angry and resentful. Just, like, I think arts programs in general. Yeah. Yeah. Well, they're just, they're, they're, they're money gobblers. They're all, it's all a business. It's, 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 I just wish it was slightly less of a business and, and, like, you do get teachers and profs and people that give a shit and really love it. Mm -hmm. But then you get the paychecks, the ones that are just like, I'm here to do this. Tenure. Fucking tenure. (laughs) 
but like beyond tenure two, where it's tenure. also like just also just just given up or 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 referencing things in the eighties that no longer apply, right? Because well, they're like no people, longer part of the community anymore, and no, they're not making but work. But they have anymore. this holier than thou. Uh, I was once once this. once upon a time I made a show. Yeah, yeah. I read a Shakespeare book. Like fuck you, we all read a Shakespeare book. Sorry. Cool. Yeah, we've all seen Leonardo DiCaprio in that. Yeah, movie. exactly. Yeah. I saw his two guns. Yeah. <laughs> that was relevant and fun. I, I didn't mind the movie. It was I ha- once witnessed an argument happen in a course. I'm doing my master's right now, actually. Nice. And it was between uh, a professor and, an, and a master's student. And the professor was essentially, the class was integrated with undergraduate production students. So like lighting, set design, um, Hmm. stage manager and then Hmm. also MAs and theater and dance and all types of stuff and he was talking about like well this is not usually how it's done that's not usually how it's done in theater and like two of the master's students were like I would disagree with that (laughs) statement and he was like well not from what I am used to and then I watched an entire argument happen back and forth between like two graduate students and like in front of a class of like 50 students yeah. About like him not just like not knowing anymore and not like working with people, but and that's um, yep. And it's awkward. And it's proud, and it's because you're kind of like witnessing someone realize that they're a dinosaur. Mm-hmm. Ooh, right. Oh, they at least they re- did they realize that the uh, problem. No, they're oh, stubborn. see, okay, that yeah. was, <laughs> that was my hope. I'm like maybe maybe they're like oh. I'm out of touch or something. There was like a little bit of hesitation, which makes me think of like, they were just rethinking the statement they made, but I don't, I don't know. <laughs> How can I say this again? So I'm still right. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> like, you know, uh, yep. Yeah. How yeah. is this not going to affect my surveys that are done at the end of the semester? Right. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Oh my gosh. But it's, it's true. And unfortunately there's nothing wrong with being challenged. That's the thing is people, people put so much, well, artists, I think do this too. We put everything we are into our work, right? Or at least we should. Um, but exactly. <laughs> when it's challenged, it's, it's incredibly vulnerable for us, right? Especially oh, yeah. when we're critiqued. It's like, I gave everything in that performance or that lecture or whatever that I've known. It's like, and someone's challenging it. Mm-hmm. And they're like, uh, actually? It's like, oh, God. <laughs> and we do have to open yeah, the glasses. I'm <laughs> the one with glasses. I should have done that. Uh, sorry, professor. Um, really, but really missed jokes. Really, yes. Yeah, I'll just keep them down here for now. So I'll, I'll wait for the next one. <laughs> Um, but it's true. It's, it's tough being challenged yeah. and it's, it's hard having your ego die in front of an entire room of students and some people just won't let it go. Mm-mm. Um, theater school. Ugh. Yeah. School. Can we yeah. talk a little bit about like funding and money? Yeah. 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 Um, how I went about this production yeah, specifically, specifically yeah, about yeah. for the boys, like cause you were on the producing side of it. I was. Oh boy. Yeah. So you got <laughs> to see like the numbers Yes. and like everything. And how was that experience for you? Did you have, were you checking like ticket sales every night? Were you like constantly yep. doing calculations in your brain? Yes. Yeah, so I, I do this little, little thing. Um, I have no trouble relinquishing control to the people I trust, but I also like to see everything because if there's anything I can do to fix the situation, I will be the first in the, in the line mm-hmm. taking the fire. Um, I made sure that every ticket sale immediately CC'd Sapling's email. So I knew exactly what came through, when it came through, how much it came through, 
little controlling. <laughs> just because. Ew, sounds like me. No, but based on, based on that, I could I could also make my next my next moves. Totally. And, and when when I knew if you know pre sales are shit, then you push the door sales. If you know, you know, right. so like mm-hmm. I just. Um, preventative is the best medicine, right? So it's, it's, I, I went into going into it every way I can, being like, what can I prepare so the outcome isn't as shitty? <laughs> um, ticket sales was 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 hard, um, especially because um, it was a long run. Two, yeah, for for a brand new show, yeah. uh, two weeks. We had ten shows. Um, yeah, we probably could have done with one week. Mm-hmm. We. Uh, I'm I'm completely I'm fine with transparency. We we only for the run sold 25 percent of the entire house, mm-hmm. so it's a 178 seat theater. It's a big theater. It's yeah, a big it's theater, a big theater. Indie theater company getting the word out. It's I'm actually happy. Like when I had an average of like 50, 60 people in the audience, I was like, that's actually not bad. Yeah. Um, because a lot of houses in Toronto are also like 40 to 70 seat theaters. Yeah. So I like would have sold those out. That would have been great. And yes. It would have been better for marketing if I was like sold out show, but. I learned a lot about marketing, um, yeah, just because of also I was um, semi-spearheading marketing, we'll say, um, and then upon finding last-minute changes of the original spearheader of marketing, I hit the ground running with everything I could do um, to s- essentially save and get more butts in seats and, and do all those things. But as far as budgeting goes, to I guess to actually answer the question, um, it's scary. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Be, being on the production side and, 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 and Sapling has a goal no matter what. And we, when we talk to our producer, Larry Silverberg, once again, I'll say, uh, God, um, no, like Larry Silverberg is like a beacon of hope for indie theater. He looks, he comes to, he came to every one of our shows in the front row Oh, and wow. a lot of producers don't do that. They just send the money and hope it's a success and wait for the money to come back. He's been to every lot show. He's been to every, uh, he goes to Oshawa. He goes to, he go, if he knows you, he'll be in the audience one way or another. Wow. That's support. Um, <clears throat> so he knows Sapling's perspective where if we're doing something, the artists are paid. Mm-hmm. I don't care. Creative, everyone. I don't care how it comes about it. This is what the money we're going to raise. This is what we're going to do. And we're going to pay people. Mm-hmm. Um, because I'm asking a certain amount of time from you. I'm asking a certain amount of dedication. I cannot ask you to do that for free. Right. Everyone has rent. We'll find a way. Um, so that was scary, too, because we, we come in with a promise of a salary with the potential of profit share on top of that. Oh, um, nice. I will openly say no one got profit share. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, but that, that was our learning curve, right, about marketing. But we, we went into it with a budget. We went into it with a plan. Larry helped us. We did crowdfunds. We did concerts. We did every possible form of fundraising to the point of handshaking and just asking for money. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we got what we got from the budget. We got what we got from Larry, and we went into the show. And we wouldn't have greenlit the show if we didn't have a, a, like a base amount where it's like, we'll get by with this. Mm. Right. Um, that's something what that number was? The get by was we won't greenlight the show without anywhere between ten to $15,000. Okay. The bud- I, I'm happy to say uh, yeah, the budget of a two-week run... People paid more than competitive professional non-equity regional theater companies. There's only one in Toronto. <laughs> um, we we went for competitive pricing, so we pay more than their contracts. Yeah, which people have worked 
longer and more rehearsals for, um, the budget of the show was $32,000 mm. for a two-week run. Yeah, so everybody listening, fucking costs money. It costs <sighs> blood. <laughs> it costs money. Oh, and that's 32000 with director, oh, yeah, producers, yeah. lead actor, unpaid. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If they were, it'd probably be closer to forty. Right. So thirty-two hundred dollars. Thirty. I 30, wish it was thirty-two hundred dollars. Thirty-two thousand plus a few souls. Plus yeah. a few souls. Plus yeah. a few yeah. sleepless nights. Plus a few firefighters. Um, it's if you don't love it, you won't. Like I'm exhausted. I'm not stressed. Mm-hmm. There's a difference. And if you're stressed, you're working for someone else. You're not doing something you're passionate about. You're exhausted is because yeah, you put everything you are into it, but you're fulfilled. Mm-hmm. I'm fulfilled from this show. I feel I feel like we did the right steps, but I am so goddamn tired. Yeah, still, <laughs> still. Yeah. Well, I haven't had so I, I I also work at a private wine club um, to the endless three thirty hours in the morning. Oh, so yeah. I haven't had a private wine club. Yeah, I, I can get into that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, but but since like the conception of boys. Inception? Conception? Conception. Inception. Sure. Um, <laughs> since the beginning of that. <laughs> Isn't Inception another Leonardo movie? <laughs> yeah. I love, I'm liking his reference, the references to Leo right now. He's, just, he's, <laughs> one, he's a wonderful, give him an Oscar. Oh, he won an Oscar for the wrong, for the wrong movie. For the I wrong movie. For the wrong movie. Anyway. Um, <laughs> but since then, and to boys, I actually haven't had like an actual full day off until, no, not today. I work tonight. Uh, but. <laughs> It's just what we do, right? Mm -hmm. But, oh, private wine club, great. So it's called the Vintage Conservatory. Um, It's a a name. Um, Essentially, it's you you rent a locker there um, to store your wine. If you're a wine collector, you have access to the club if you rent a locker. It's fingerprint access. You cannot get in without that. It's fingerprint access to get to your wine. Your wine access is 24 hours. The locker and actually the actual space of the club is like 8 a.m. to 2 a.m. from Thursday to Saturday, but then 8 a.m. to 11 p.m. on weekdays. Um, and essentially, like I'm a I'm a server, but I'm also like it's kind of also like glorified catering because we're called in to work when there's like a big event or dinner's booked or right, whatever. Right. But mm. with the nature of this new club, this is the second club that opened up. They need staff at all times, so there can be staff from anywhere from like 11 a.m. to 3:30 in the morning. Mm-hmm. And so there's a restaurant on site. There's a kitchen in in the yeah. club, but you can't order food. You have to order it in advance. So everything's bought for the order that you place. Right. And then you have a private dinner. And we do dinners anywhere from a two-top all the way to, like, 32, 40 events. Wow. Five-course dinners. Uh, last night was, like, a five-course dinner in one room, a three-course in another room. and a, plus, plus lounge whoever comes in, and we order the pair of cheese and charcuterie with your wine. You can, right. Wow. So you can also store, like, your most expensive cognac and scotch and whiskey. and Just alcohol. Alcohol, right. amongst other because things. Because they don't I've have had, room for it in their apartment. Oh no, they have. Well, they, no, no I, they might have run out of space out of their two thousand bottle collection at home in their wine cellar in their basement. Yeah, so <laughs> we we guarantee you you'll bump. <laughs> we serve the one percenters. We'll say right. that. Yeah. Maybe even the point five percenters. Yeah. Um, I was I was uh, the the shit I overhear in there, and I. I when it comes to money and being like, yeah, I just you know wiped my with a hundred dollar bill. Like it's it's it sounds like that to me, yeah. and I'm like. Where's all this money? <laughs> can I can I have some money, please? Honestly, I try I, to yeah. be like, hey, this is my theater thing. Yeah, uh, soliciting. I I I have, I may have. <laughs> <laughs> I may have solicited a little bit, um, yeah. but that's okay because if the, the regular 
guests of yours that you yeah. have conversations with all nope. the time. There's they nothing are. wrong with that. Well, yeah. really, it kind of feels like they're coming into their own living room and I'm, sit- I'm serving them. So, like, right. these members are just like, what's up, Rob? I'm like, hurting for money. <laughs> you know? Um, which... which to this day, no, no member has like gone out of the way to just be like, "Here's a donation to Sapling for for whatever." But I'm working on it. We're working on um, we're working oh. on um, we're working on essentially building a board of directors for the company yeah. too, uh, regular investors, uh, families, right. businesses, anyone, any non for profit yeah. indie theater company needs it. Um, but yeah, I'm just like, hey, Joe Smith. Uh. Did you guys have? Um, this is gonna be like kind of a completely 180. I'll do it. About. But did we? Um, did you guys have any pushback about the name? Like for, cause it's called for the boys, right? something for the, something boys. for the boys. Yeah. Did you have any pushback about the name, especially like right now and like it being like, for the boys, like for the boys, like, like Oh my like, God, more men in theater. Yeah. Well, yeah. And like <laughs> everything that's ever happened in the past two years. Um, years not, years. not, not to my face yeah. or publicly or no articles have been written. Um, yet. Um, no. And I think because, Cleverly, the writer did boys, like, the spelling is yeah. the ship boys. Mm-hmm. And they saw the the poster, which was designed by my brother, Gabe Sapienza. Check his site out. Um, he's phenomenal. Um, copyright to Gabe Sapienza. Um, <laughs> because of the, also the way the poster is designed, they're like, oh, this looks like an MGM movie. Oh, okay. And we did advertise it as a parody as well. So I think we can kind of, we were able to get away with... There's like irony in it. Yeah, yeah. the same way Book of Mormon yeah. kind of gets a little bit of flack, but then they're like, oh, but it's a huge parody. And then there was an article that came out being like, oh, the Mormon church actually liked this show. Yeah. Right. Because um, it's so tongue-in-cheek. And we did advertise it as a comedy and a parody of these things. Yeah. And so I think we were allowed to poke fun at the way the world was mm-hmm. and boys and, and, mm-hmm. and all that stuff. And, uh, no, so we didn't, we didn't get any, any backlash really, which was nice. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, th- I don't know. I don't, I, I don't know why I'd like to think it's cause it's a combination of who we are as people and the tracks we've left in the industry and the ones that know us know we're not about that. Right. Um, I frankly broadcast on how theater school was a hub of male privilege and bullshit. And I was told to my face, you can carry a tune and you're a boy and you act, you'll work. So I'm doing everything. I, I, mm-hmm. I kid you not. So I'll say this loud. I'm an ally, an advocate, and I'm aware of everything that is my privilege. And was I weary about a title something with the boys? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Did we manage? And yeah. And I think, yeah, which is why I, I, I'm getting chills on my spine about theater <laughs> school. Some of the shit that was told to me, and it's, it's, that's what I'm talking about. I'm like, you're, it's ironic because we're an industry of empowerment. And then you're teaching these impressionable students that if they wake up in the morning and have a dick, pardon my French, yeah. they'll work. Yeah. Are you kidding me? The, you're a professor. And you're completely taking away their, like, why would they fucking try in school then? Or why would they try I, to improve? Yeah, yeah, which is also why I was weary about being in my own show. I want to yeah. get that role because I worked my ass off, mm-hmm. not because of any other reason. And no matter what, it's going to happen. But all I can do is sit and listen and yeah. act accordingly and I have a responsibility to do so and I'm not shy about taking that responsibility and this is where that fucking the ego and pride bullshit is step aside I, I, I can't have any in this industry and I can't have any to all my colleagues and people that are actually working 10 hours to my 5 hours and still not working 
just because whatever dime a dozen mentality people have towards other artists, it's bullshit. Um, sorry. No, but that's okay. <laughs> I'm that. like, <clears throat> I can't, I can't be as enraged cause I'm like, I'm why, why I'm preaching to the choir and like, I'm still once again, sitting in the throne of <laughs> fucking of no, my house. Just, yeah. Of your house. Yeah. No, but it, but it's true. And yeah. And uh, what was the question? <laughs> oh, it was just about the title, but yeah. you've answered it very well. So. Yeah, oh, cool, yeah, cool, 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 cool. Yeah, no, no, <laughs> cool, cool, no doubt, like, no doubt, no doubt. Um, being cautious of what you're putting out there. Absolutely. We, and we, how you're adding or taking away from the industry. Yeah, no, yeah. we do that. In casting, too, we're like, here we go. Um, we, we have to make sure, like, we were we were aware the cast was white as rice. Like, we were, you know what I mean? Like, there's there's lots of things, and there's there's a combination of seeking this is my question and it's not so much like a statement being like the pendulum is swinging the other way right now where it's like inclusive casting is the priority, which it should be because we're, the industry is making up for years of idiocy. Right. Um, and it has to swing far to the other it has side to, sw- before to eventually it- hit the middle. Yeah. And, um, so as in the casting perspective, we were like, do we put extra effort mm. and, and Eli, um, said, well, we're going to get what we get in the room and we have to make the decision. And I, there's, there's, I agree with so many things that it's like, what do we, what do we do? Mm -hmm. Um, like put extra effort into getting other people to audition. Is that what you're talking about? Other people that I don't know how to say it without sounding. No, just like people that aren't not, not straight white dudes coming into the room, essentially. Like, like how do we, how do we open it up and also let people know that we're a company? Like every company now has like that inclusive mandate, but it's like every company has that, but then do they actually follow it? Like, right. Mm -hmm. We don't know what goes behind the scenes. So, so immediately when we started talking about casting, um, with something like the title of something for the boys, I'm like, what are people going to think? What do we do? How do we, who's going to walk in the room? Who's going to walk in the room? Um, who are they going to see behind the panel? We had a predominantly, male white panel. Mm-hmm. How are they going to take this? Are they going to feel intimidated? Are we going to like, how warm can we be to reassure that we're not that old industry? Mm-hmm. Um, there's tons of questions right. and, and I feel like we're taking the right steps by asking them. And I feel like we're taking more right steps by doing the actions to show that we're not mm-hmm. whatever company has been, <laughs> Well, I'll just point upwards because right now they're sitting at the top. But, yeah. But, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. I don't know how else to go. I went on a tangent again. I, I don't no, know. that's great. <laughs> it's like, it's also something when you think about like who is just like in your circle of artists mm-hmm. too. I feel like being in a place right now as like an emerging mm-hmm. person. It's just like my colleagues that are around me that I've gone to school with who I've worked in and other projects who I've done favors for. Yeah. And so when I ask them to do something for me, they're like so gung-ho. But then I look around the room and I'm like, oh, it's just like other people that look like me. Yeah. Right? Because for some reason, that's the circle that I have am in, in have mm-hmm. been in. Mm-hmm. And then you're like, how do you adjust? Or how do you like yeah. do the extra thing to like get people in your room? But then you like are asking people to work for free sometimes. Yeah. And you're like, I don't want to ask strangers to do that. It's, right? it's super hard. And also like, what's your, especially to credit, um, to strangers, what's your credibility to them that is working for you for free worth it? Totally. What's right. your company? Like they do a background check on you. They're like, what, what? Right. There's so much. They find like one Instagram page. They're like, I don't know. Yeah. No. And, 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 and the truth is it's like, that's, that's sort of what, what Sapling originally was founded to like, to rebuild that sense of community. I, mm-hmm. Like I wanted, I wanted everything to feel like you go out and like 
I always picture Sicily because I'm super Italian deep down inside. <laughs> um, but you go and like every night during the summer, there's just this like feeling of there's just, like a festival. There's like these street vendors, there's artists performing, there's everything. But everyone just makes eye contact and talks to everyone. Mm-hmm. There are no strangers. You don't know who they are, but they're not a stranger. It's weird. And I'm like, why can't Toronto community theater, art, dance, all of it, why can't it feel like that? And also, why aren't we more ahead? Like, as people that are, like, we're theater people, we're art people, we're supposed to be, like, super hyper-aware of everything. Yeah. Right? And we're supposed to be, like, the guiding change for everything else. And why is it, like, we're still, like, lagging a little bit? So... Like, even with dance, I think about this. I'm like, you know, like, we're constantly in contact with our bodies. We should be, like, super aware of, like, the idea of, like, touch Mm -hmm. and, like harassment and issues that happen and it's like we're just not like everybody has a story about like something weird happening oh yeah like, that's... why are we not we're in an industry that's literally for us is like not sorry we're in an industry that like is constantly stating that we're like ahead of the times and this and this and this and we are in some ways but in other ways we're just like still like scraping by to like get on top or get ahead and i don't know well, on other people the truth is i i I think the idea is right. The industry is correct. The platforms are correct. The idea, like all of it's moving forward. People sometimes just are troubled. Sometimes people suck. <laughs> sometimes people need to go to therapy and don't. Sometimes, actually, we all do. Frankly, yeah, everyone needs um, to go therapy. Like no, I no, but it, it's it's, <laughs> yeah. it's 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 there's unfortunately is is the unpredictable thing about all of this is humanity is people. Yeah, and actually, everyone I've spoken to has the same feeling. Why aren't we more ahead? Mm-hmm. Why aren't we all working together? And it's, I just like, wish we could, I want to put us all in the same room. I'm also curious about the, uh, the lines that divide the different mediums. Mm-hmm. If that's like something that has to do with it, right? If you're like theater, if you're this, if you're that, if you're right. dance, it also yeah. like isolates your community a little more. You're like yeah. resources. Dance community, acting, singing community, yeah. film and TV community. Yeah. Even the commercial community is different than the film and TV community. And it's yes. the same medium. Yes. Um, I'm trying to, so I, I, my best friend growing up is now a videographer, editor. He's in the film mm-hmm. area. He is also has a puppet company. Brilliant. Uh, <laughs> he won an honorary award from the Jim Henson Corporation. Like he's, he's doing it. He's doing a fantastic yeah. job. Um, Steven Dirks. Um, love you. Um, and Taylor Toffelmeyer. Um, but I'm, you, we're working together to somehow blur that line. Yeah. Hi puppy. Um, where I want to blur the film, TV and theater line. Right. And when I say theater, I also include singing and dance and yes. everything else. And so what I kind of suckered him into sorry Dirks, i love you um is whenever we do a production is he's actually giving us like that like shrek live on broadway on netflix feel for every show so yeah. he filmed every single one mm. and we are gonna eventually have that full edited version of it like it's a show and then introduce the film watchers to theater that way interesting and we want to try and bring in the worlds a little bit yeah um i i'm i think it should all be one beautiful art dog pile like but it's it's not yet either yeah and all the funding platforms are separated and Mm -hmm. yeah yeah but also all the grant things are different too like i've uh, grant hunting is also another story we did that too for funding and it's a nightmare did you get a grant no (laughs) we had a grant we didn't get a grant 
we ever had a discussion with anybody ever in Canada who's gotten a grant? So it's it's, it's this weird, it's this weird, <laughs> you know, the whole like I'm applying for a job, but you need the experience, but I need the experience to get the job. And yes, have the, that is hundred percent grant writing. That's grant writing. Yeah. So it's like. Oh, you, you're, you're starting a new show? Great. Have you done any shows? No, but you need a grant? No, but you need to do a show to get a grant. But I need the grant to do the show. And it's like this whole vicious, stupid cycle. But now that we've done it and we filmed it all, now I have a platform to get a grant because I can show them a full hour and a half feature yeah. filmed beautifully. You know what I mean? It's like... Totally. but. But to do that, we had to sweat blood. <laughs> like it's you like, had to yeah. spend $40,000. Exactly. Right? Yeah. yeah. Of whose money? Larry Silverberg, thank you. Um, <laughs> you know, and I donated a kidney. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> In fact, I'm feeling a little lightheaded right now. <laughs> no, but it's like... Uh, yeah. But we do it. We love it. We love it. We do. We do. Yeah, Otherwise, I, if I didn't love it, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be here. I'd be, I'd be <sighs> working. If there's anything else you could do. He would probably be there. I would. I would. And I, I, I had this, I had this, I wouldn't call it an epiphany. It was like a slow burn. It was like, oh, I really love this. Do I? Yeah. Like it was like, <laughs> it was like this discouraged, like I do. Cause it's like my exhausted choice of life, but it's like, I, I really do love it. And it's, I hope everyone feels the same that's in here. Because if, if you're not, I mean, like, go be happy. Yeah, you know, yeah totally. Go be happy. Go be happy. There's so many. There's so many of us that want to express something, that want to share something, and they make us fight for a platform. And I say they. I don't know who they are. I don't know who you are out there mm-hmm. who's making us fight for a little bit of money or a smaller piece of the pie, while the one percenters I serve are like. One of them last night was like. Watching people work is exhausting me. I shit you not. Word for word. I was like, you drinking their 1995 like $1,000 bottle of wine. And I was like, I, I was polishing a glass. I was, the, the thing in a movie when like someone's polishing a glass and just snaps it. Like, I've done that so many times. You're like, my hands. What Honestly, am I no, I've, of? I've cut my hands on beautiful crystal. Uh, no, and it's just, it's just unfortunate. I just want to marry those worlds together. And, and, and the people that are bored with so much money and nothing to do, I have something to do with that money. Like, you got to make those to, relationships. I, I'm trying. I, trust me. And I'm going to share those relationships. I promise. Once I make them, I, I, have, I have no problem sharing. That's the thing. Is like, your success is not my failure. That is a huge thing that I need to push in the industry. And I think a lot of people need to look at it like that they need to we're all climbing the same damn mountain learn from the ones above you help the ones underneath you with some gear you're not failing because someone else booked the gig you are not failing you are just biding your time keep practicing keep going you are not failing or if you are considering it failing it's because you're learning right (laughs) i wonder where we learn that we don't learn it in school i'll tell you that it's just jealous. I keep going back to the school. <laughs> yeah. He has a lot of qualms about school. <laughs> because they yeah. treat they treat they treated the end result as the graded yes or no, you pass or fail. This is the song, you get your eighty percent or whatever. How do you grade art? Anyway, exactly. so you get your thing, but they never commend you for the failure and the process and the growth. And that is the yeah. true thing that you should grade, mm-hmm. not the end product. Right. Also they never like grade you against yourself. It's against your fucking class, your colleagues, peers. which has yeah. nothing to do with and you. And I'm sorry, but like, what? it's set up for failure. Yeah. We were in a class of two boys and 14 girls. We were in the smaller term. And the, the theme we were chosen is like, all, all the people have to sing a song from the same musical. You're going to hear the same song eight times. 
for the poor poor girls, and the two guys get the spotlight of the, like it's bullshit. It's 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 yeah. constructed to make you fail and not the learning fail. Yeah, it's it's and it's like oh why didn't you do better? I'm like I don't know because I heard the song eight times. It's like how am I supposed to do it my way when it was back to back? Right. Complaining for something I shouldn't be. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> just watching it. It's just it's just it's painful because I, I just yeah. Which is I I think school. They should dismantle some of the theater schools, maybe in Toronto, maybe in Oakville, maybe in the world, um, and and create a space. Um, I just think intimacy workshops should be happening every year in every school, oh, theater, yeah. art, ever. Yep. Yeah. My worst uh, intimacy. Yep. Yep. Intimacy treat it like intimacy. treat it like fight combat. It's crazy uh, to me that it doesn't fight happen. Combat? <laughs> fight combat. Yeah, fight combat. Treat it like fight fight. Yeah. Uh, no. <laughs> Treat it like stage combat. <laughs> no, um, I was on the. Um, I have a. I have a nice story about that. My two leads in a musical that I worked on at a regional theater company. Um, the lot, they get away with so much shit. I'll just say that out loud. That, everyone, yeah. everyone yeah. knows that they get away with so much safety issues and other things. But anyway, um, at the time, the two leads of the show, there's an intimacy thing. They have to kiss. The lead girl was talking to the lead man, and they said. How do you want to go about this? The director's just like, oh, just do it already. Mm. No. No, I don't. No. <laughs> yeah. It's like it's like holding two swords and about to stab your opponent with the stage. It's like, how do you, would you like, oh, just stab them already. Like <laughs> intimacy <laughs> should be seen just as important as everything else. Like right. yeah. It uh, yeah. 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 It's HR. <laughs> What? Sorry, yeah. HR. Okay, the only company that has HR in all of Toronto will be Mervish, I bet. If that. Yeah, if that. Yeah. I'm sure they do, but I'm just do like... The ballet, the ballet has an HR department? <laughs> I don't know. I am sure there's some sort of HR department within the National Ballet. It's That's not true. in the budget. <laughs> it's, not in, it's not in the budget, We only friends. got $3 million from Canada Arts Council, and it only allots for 5% of our total running yeah. process, and it's not in our budget. Oh, I'm sorry. Are you hungry? <laughs> oh. Oh, we're not jaded. We're fine. Everything is we're fine, fine, guys. Everything's fine. It's not okay. <laughs> I, I quote Italian job. Fine it stands for frantic, insecure, neurotic, and emotional. Everything's fine. <laughs> um, is being an artist fucking killing you? What's the right answer here? Because I know that's the title of the show. There Every is answer one. is the right answer. My answer changes daily. Yeah. Depending on what mood I'm in. <laughs> There's so many answers. But today, it's giving me life. Mm-hmm. It really is. It's killing me, but it doesn't. So it makes me stronger. Is that Kelly Clarkson? Who's the singer that sings that? I'm a fan of Kelly Clarkson. Um, I was into it. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, yes and no. There's the yin and yang. There's the, yeah, it does everything. Mm-hmm. Being an artist is doing everything for me, positive and negative, which turns for me just positive. It spins it a different way. Um, yeah, it, it kills me to make, and it makes me learn from it. And then it brings me life. It's like, it's, I'm going to keep going. If you it's don't a, stop it's me, a it's, it's a circle. It's the same circle. It's a circle. It is. It's a beautiful circle. Great. 
until someone breaks it. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you no. so much. That's, no, you're so welcome. That was Thank a legit Jaden. Thank you. That's all right. That no. was amazing. That was amazing. Oh, thing. God. Was it, though? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it definitely was. My critic brain is now shutting on, uh, turning on for myself. No. No. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Uh, please go follow us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Uh, leave us a review. Tell us what you think. We want all of the thoughts. Send us an email if you want. We really appreciate when we get lovely emails or bad emails. We don't care. We just love it. Um, you can find what's your Instagram and everything. Oh gosh, Roberto Sapienza. Yeah, is my Instagram or Sapling Toronto is the Sapling page. Yeah. Cool. And go check them out there. <laughs>